Storm Chasers. It's a series we're doing. And we're trying to see how people in the Bible have gone through these storms, have gone through things in their life, either that God has put there or just life has put there. Because one of the things we talked about last week is we are going to go through storms. Um, Now, before I get started, I just want to explain for those who are new, this is Family Sunday. And so the kids are in here with us. And so um, sometimes... um, the volume gets a little louder than typical. You're just going to have to deal with it. And then the parents who have those kids try to use your judgment at the same time because last first service, we had someone playing with the blinds or whatever. You know, so just let's see if we all can't come together and get along here. Okay, but uh, so what we do is on the fifth Sunday, when, when there's a fifth Sunday of the month, we do this. If you have a child that's five and below, we actually do have childcare for you if you want to take uh, that child into there as well. If if um, they're just uh, out of control. But, uh, we, um, so, but we love Family Sunday and we're, we're glad you're here. This morning we're going to be talking about David and Goliath. Uh, we thought it would be a good Family Sunday topic to talk about. And then next week we're talking about the subject, Everybody Loves Money. And so if you get offended, like if you're new here and you're like, I don't go to church because it always seems like they're talking about money, you're going to love next week because that's what we're talking about. So get offended all week long. And then on Sunday, you'll be so, uh, I'm so tired of being offended. And then we'll be all good, right? But uh, hopefully what you'll do is you'll get some insight into um, exactly why we talk about money in the church and kind of why it's important and all those types of things. But this morning, we're going to talk about David and Goliath. If you want to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Let me just set it up for you. God told the Israelites to go in and to take over this land. It was flowing with milk and honey and there were giants in the land and all this kind of stuff. And they didn't quite do it the way they were supposed to. And there's this little strip of land that the Philistines lived in and they caused nothing but... but, uh, havoc for the Israelites. It's like living next to a, a home full of taggers. It's just like every, t- every time you cover it up, it's like you walk back outside and there's the graffiti again. It's just constant, constant, constant. The Philistines and the Israelites. And so they, they hate each other. And the Philistines are always trying to wipe out the Israelites and the Israelites are always trying to wipe out the Philistines. And what happened was the Philistines came into Israel's land in Judah and set camp on this hill and the Israelites set a, a camp in the, uh, on this hill and they had this valley and they're just like about a football field away from each other. And so they're, they're, they're ready to go uh, to battle. And the Philistines have this guy named Goliath and that's where we, that's where we uh, pick it up. See what time it is? 20 after, okay. So First uh, Samuel 17, 4. Uh, stop me if you've ever heard this story before. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Okay. A champion named Goliath, who is from Gath, and we'll see that city in a little bit, came out from the, of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels, which to you may not be a lot because you don't know what a shekel is, but it's 125 pounds. So if you're at the gym and you see the bar... And then a big plate on either side, that's 135 pounds. Take off 10 pounds, strap it on your back, that's your armor, okay? 5,000 shekels. On his legs, he wore bronze greaves. 
and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels, which is about 15 pounds. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Now, here's what I've done. I, I kind of, we can pass this around. Ah, okay. Um, and picture this at the end of the spear. This is only 10 pounds, so it's actually five pounds more than that. But think about carrying around a spear, the kind of guy who would have to be, around, to be able to do that. And we can just pass this around because it's family Sunday. Who cares, right? Yeah, just pass that around. That's at the end of the spear. The guy was nine feet tall. Now, I took the liberty of making a stick. That's, now, the Bible, the Bible says... He was over nine feet tall. So I made this nine feet, one inch, just to be biblically accurate. Um, and not to exaggerate, right? Because, you know, if it's 11 feet tall, then that would be wrong. But um, so, so the Philistines have this guy and, and we've got that guy, okay? No. In first service... When we get to the end, I don't want to give you the end of the thing, but somebody made this that we put at the end and it's got a little sad face and little X's. But don't worry about that. We're going to get to that, right? So here's what he's got. He's got that thing. And so what this guy Goliath would do is he'd walk out from the ranks and he would taunt the armies of Israel. As a matter of fact, we did this first service and it went so poorly. I'm going to do it again, second service. I passed this around and... It really did go poorly. Anyway, here we go. So uh, if you want, as I'm preaching, just stand up next to it if you want and just look, look up and see how tall it is. Or just be like, this is church. I'm not going to hold a stick and pass it on. But that's, uh, that's pretty good. So, <clears throat> yeah. Don't. I really do have eyes in the back of my head. Um, like our tallest guy here is Moses, right? Moses, I'm sorry, dude. Could you stand up? Because the first time I met you, I was frightened. Okay, there's our tallest guy. Okay, now, okay, thank you very much. So here, here's what was happening. This guy, Goliath, comes out and he says, Living Spring, pick the biggest guy you have, which for us is Moses, and I'll fight him. And whoever wins, the other army has to serve that army. And so you can kind of get the sense that this storm is beginning to brew. And what we talked about last week is that these storms go from like F1 to F2 to F3 to F4. They just, they grow. Yeah, see that? It's pretty high. And so it just keeps going and going and going. So we get to this point here and it says this. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. I told you it didn't go well first service and it's, it's just distracting, but it's kind of fun. On hearing the words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. When the storm begins to brew, this is what begins to happen. And what we're going to look at with David, we all know he killed Goliath. Oops, sorry. But I, I want to show you five things he had to go through in order to face that battle, that when you begin to look at the storms in your life, you're going to see these things coming up again and again and again. And it's going to tempt you to not want to be a part of it. Okay? So let's take a look at this. 
1 Samuel 17, 16. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning, every evening, and took his stand. Every single, if you're in that Philistine army, every morning and every evening is a reminder that you're going to lose. That it's probably not going to work. Every single morning. I don't know if you've ever had this going on. Have you ever had a situation at work where you just like don't like your boss or there's somebody in there that is just constantly going after you, constantly going after you. And you have, on the weekend, you're having fun with your family. Everything's going great. And all of a sudden, you get that reminder of like, oh, tomorrow's work. Or you're at school and you have this person at school that's always bothering you, maybe a bully, maybe somebody that uh, is just like, you can barely handle all of a sudden, you know, oh, on Sunday, you go, oh, man. We're going to see him again. This is what they were going through. Every morning, every afternoon, they were reminded again that this is probably going to go really bad. So let's see what happens. Here's the first problem that you're going to have to overcome. You're in an environment of compromise. See, what happens is this, they're terrified and dismayed, Right? And so this guy, Jesse, which is who our our son is named after, it means Yahweh exists. Uh, Jesse sends his son David to the battle lines and says, look, bring your brothers 10 loaves of bread and some cheese for the commander of the army, and then come back and tell me how it's going. I want to hear how it's going. And so David shows up, and while he's talking to everybody, Goliath comes out again, either in his morning ritual or his afternoon ritual. And David goes... What's with this dude? Who is this guy? What, what's going on? Now watch what happens. What's going on 40 days. Early in the morning, David left the flock, this is in verse 20, with the shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. So David gets there and they all run to their positions and they're shouting the war cry. He's thinking, Oh, this is, I'm here just in time. I get to sit down with the loaves of bread and some cheese and check some stuff out. Watch verse 23. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Let me show you what it looks like to be in a, an environment of compromise. Go back one. The army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Next one. They all ran from him in great fear. Go back again. Okay, they were going out, shouting the war cry. Go ahead. They all ran from him in great fear. Now this was going on for 40 days that this happened. So does that mean every day they were just all talk? Every day they dressed up like they, like they were going to battle. Every day they knew exactly the right things to say. Every day they took their positions. And then every day when it got hard, they turned and ran. That's what it's like to be in a community of compromise. And we see it all the time. Sometimes we see it in the church. We know all the scripture, you know, 
uh, I can do all things through God who strengthens, Christ who strengthens me. Ah, you know, we can be victorious. And then uh, something happens and it's like, oh God, where are you? We know all the right words. We dress the right way. We do all the right stuff. But when the rubber meets the road, if you're in a community of compromise, you're going to turn and run. We see it in the business place. You go into your work and they've got a big banner up that says integrity. But the workplace, nobody has integrity. They're all cheating. They're trying to get sales up so they can make the Christmas bonus. Character, right? We see it in school. This is a drug-free zone. Is it? (laughs) No. It's It's an area of compromise. We have diversity training for everyone, but we're still prejudiced. We have all these things that we know all, we, we have all the right words, all the right things, but when it gets hard in a community of compromise, we turn and run in fear. We do it in our finances, we do it in relationships, we do it at school, we do it at work. We talk a big talk when we're all buddied together, but when, that, when Goliath comes out, it's like, I'm gone. And David had to deal with that. David asked the men, this is in verse 26, standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, David, David as we see through these, because we're going to go through five of them, he's looking and he's like, really, guys? Like, you're really going to turn and run? when we have a God that's so great behind us. And so David gets past this kind of first level of, of, of um, stuff. And maybe you're in school and you've decided to say, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to have sex until I'm married. And you got all the people around you going, pressure, 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 pressure. Everybody's doing it. Every, and you're like, you know what? I'm not going to be a part of this community of compromise. David makes it past that and he goes into his second problem. Those closest to you are the least supportive. I don't know if you've ever had this happen in your own life, but maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're brand new to church. Maybe you've kind of been hanging back and you decided, I'm going to go to church. And the thing that's in the back of your mind is, when my family finds out I'm going to church, they're going to mock me. Like the people closest to me. Or maybe you're trying to get away from an addiction or something that's unhealthy but you know your friends are going to be like, come on, what's your problem? That those closest to you are not supportive. Have you ever started a diet and you're kind of excited and you're like, yeah, and you kind of share your plans with someone and they go, that'll last a week. And then you just go, ah, forget it. Why is it that sometimes those closest to us can do the most damage when we're going to face a storm? Sometimes it might be problems with a spouse. And we're like, you know what? I'm going to stick it out. And your sister or your brother goes, I wouldn't. He's not even worth it. It's like this idea that, man, I'm going to go face a storm. But then the people who are closest. Now watch what happens to David. So David says, who in the world is this guy? When Eliab, this is in verse 28, David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the desert? I know how conceited you are, how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now, what would be your response? 
I think mine would be like, battle? All I see, you guys shouting and running. What battle are you talking about? As a matter of fact, why do you, right? This is how it starts. That person close to you jabs and you uppercut and it begins to escalate and none of it had to go down this way, but it just keeps going and going and going. David gets past all that. I mean, the brother takes a jab at him, those few sheep in the desert. Okay, go, go take care of your sheep. Let the men do what they're going to do, right? David doesn't even bite. All he says is exactly what, you know, now what have I done, right? Now what it says? Yeah, now what have I done? Can I even speak? And you know what it says right after that? He went and started talking to somebody else. He didn't engage. He didn't go, oh, yeah, well, you know, you guys ain't doing anything anyway, so. Oh, oh, was this a battle? Was there a battle? Because I just saw you guys crying and wetting yourself. Okay, sorry. I must have missed the battle. Okay? He doesn't engage. He moves right on. Okay? And so what happens is, as he kind of begins to kind of rally the troops and go, is nobody seeing this? Am I the only one that sees that we can totally handle this storm? We can head right into it? Am I the only one that wants to go in and collect data about ourselves and about our God? I mean, you're all kind of just, there's a traffic jam at the way from the storm, but am I the only one who wants to go in? Saul hears about David and says, I want to talk to this guy. And so David comes to Saul and David heads his third problem. Others see only your outward appearance. They only look at your size or your age or your income level or your education or your speech impediment. Or maybe uh, you're in a different socioeconomic thing than everybody else. That somebody looks at you and says, you know what, you're just too old for this. Give up. You know what, it's just too hard financially. Don't, don't worry about it. You can't do it. This is what happens. David shows up to Saul. He says this in verse 32. Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, are you kidding me? No, he says, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. Why would I read it like that? You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. There are going to be people, mostly the enemy, that is going to tell you that you can't change your campus, that your workplace is just forget it. Everybody's too entrenched. They're going to say that you can't, uh, this ministry that everybody's tried and failed, you can't do it. They're going to tell you all sorts of stuff. That, that, oh, it's too much. There's too much um, uh, persecution in the government. You can't, you can't afford this. You can't do that. You can't do that. But God says, oh, if you would just face that storm with me, you can do anything that I've called you to do. Can you do it on your own? Absolutely not. And sometimes, you know what? We want to avoid the storm. And in the process of avoiding the storm, we start an, a whole nother storm. Like, 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 like in our finances, you know, Christmas comes and we just look at our finances and we say, we can't buy Christmas presents. We cannot afford them. And instead of going through the storm and sitting the family down and going, hey guys, 
We ain't having a Christmas. We avoid that storm by putting stuff on our credit card just to have a bigger storm later. And sometimes in, instead of having a storm in relationships and going, hey, you know what? What you did really hurt me. We, we stuff it and we let it become. It becomes bitter and bitter and bitter until now we're completely out of control. It totally consumes us because we're trying to avoid another storm. Sometimes we, we don't want to deal with some stuff and so we begin to medicate through painkillers or whatever or we begin to just get involved in a situation or we get lonely and instead of really having to deal with God, I really want to get married. I, I really want the man or the woman for you. We get into a relationship that's unhealthy and after six months or a year, there's such a huge storm because we wouldn't face it. And God says, I want you to face it. Here's the the point I want to give us, kind of your main point. It's shoved right in the middle of these five things. I wrote it down because it's kind of long and I'll forget it. Each storm is a preparation for God to make you victorious in the next storm. Like we said, the storms are coming. You you don't know what your health is going to be next week. You go to the doctor, you have a checkup, and all of a sudden they come and they say this. You take your son and daughter in for a checkup, and all of a sudden, here comes the word. You don't know what your storm's going to be. You don't know if tomorrow you're going to lose your job. I I don't mean to be depressing. I'm just telling you, there is a storm coming. And so God uses these things. Hebrews says it's for discipline that you endure, that God deals with us as sons. And what son is there that his father doesn't discipline? And then he goes on, he says, therefore strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble and, and, and run with endurance the race set before you. I mean, the idea is that God brings us through these things so that we can get through these storms. And David understood why. We're going to see that right now. David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair. (laughs) Really? Yikes. Struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. See, David looked back on those storms. I'm sorry, but if a bear comes and carts one of you off... Go get him. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, that's scary. And David's like, you can just see that passion of God rising up in him. Just, I don't know how he did it. He struck it. I mean, what was it like? Did you jump on the back and just like start hitting it? And then it turns on him and he seizes it by the hair? You know, head, by, you know I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, how do you do that? But see, because he went through that storm, because he didn't go, well, you know what? You lose sheep every now and then, you know. <laughs> At least it'll be full and it won't come after me. Because he was able to go like, no, I'm, I have a responsibility. I'm going to get that sheep. And it becomes a, a, a real indication of our walk with Jesus. How much Christ wants to rescue his sheep from the mouth of the bear and the mouth of the lion. Those things prepared him for now. And then we get to the great verse in verse uh, 37. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And look what he had to go through just so far. A community of compromise. No, everyone around him just completely not knowing what to do. 
a family member who puts him down. And let me just talk to the, the brothers and sisters in here, little, little and old and, 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 and maybe even older. As a brother or sister, you have a unique chance to build your sibling up so that they're able to face the storms in their lives or to tear them down, sometimes with words that never leave them. And so when it gets time to where they're older, and some, some adults in here know exactly what I'm talking about, and it comes time for them to face their storm, they think back to when they were with their brother or sister that called them stupid, that said they were useless, that went after them. You have a, this really unique opportunity to speak into your brother or your sister to build them up so when the time comes they go you know what i've got the community of people closest to me they're the ones who speak into my life i just wanted to give you that piece of encouragement all you guys were shaking your head like have you you haven't met my brother yet uh (laughs) i i most likely have um but uh, some of us walk around with scars that our brothers and sisters have put on us uh at a very young age so I don't, but uh, sometimes my brother listens to the podcast. So um, I had a great, no, you know what? You've got problems, buddy. No, sorry, I'm just going. <laughs> All right. All right, so check this out. Uh, number four, people offer perfectly reasonable but untested solutions for your storm. They're perfectly reasonable, but they're completely untested for you. And so uh, what happened with David was he goes to Saul, he convinces him, look, I killed a lion, I killed the bear. Hey, what do you think? And Saul's like, well, I guess so. And he offers him this solution. This happens to us quite often. Where we're talking about our job, let's say. We have a boss that's really annoying. And the boss maybe does some things that are unfair, maybe calls us names or whatever and so we're with our people and they start saying you know what you should do and then we get these varying things you should walk right into his office and say how dare you talk to me like that that's one maybe "Ah, that's reasonable you know you're not gonna be a doormat right maybe he says you know what you need to start complimenting him and then maybe he'll leave you alone you know do a little you know and so that's a nice tie. Tell him he's got a nice tie. Tell him uh, his, you know, kids are, look strapping or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Lung yet, young lad, right? Okay, that's fine. That's fine. But there's something stirring in you that knows that doesn't fit. You know where this comes into, into my life a lot, where I get advice from people, and then the thing that God is telling me to do is to shut up to be quiet, to be silent. Even though their advice is perfectly reasonable. It's not a sin. They don't, they're not saying I should go in and you know, wipe out everybody. It's just that God, I can tell that God is wanting to do something in my own life in this storm. Remember, when we go into storms, we collect data about ourselves and about our God. And so oftentimes he says, shh. And I think to myself, if I don't say something, Nothing's going to change. If I don't just get, if I just, I've got the perfect line. And then the person says it and you're like, ah, and God's, and you go, ah. Sometimes we get into financial problems and people are giving us financial advice and you're like, 
ah, get a second job or do this. It's not wrong, but you're just like, no, you know what? I think God has something different for me here. Watch what happens here. Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on a sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Let me tell you something. That sword that he put on was a nice sword. Probably the nicest sword that anybody in the whole place had. Whatever you want in a sword, I can tell you Saul's sword had it. It was the nicest metal, the sharpest. The king didn't have a crummy sword. The king had the best sword. And that helmet, killer, okay? It looked good, and yet it was practical. I mean, it was like someone saying, I'd like you to lead worship, and they give you a great guitar, which I could name the name of right now. Um, uh, those who know me. Uh, no, I'm joking around. All right, right? And so he, he tries these things on, and he's like, he's like this isn't it. I mean, thanks, but this isn't it. Now, the person giving you the sword and the bronze helmet thinks you're an idiot. Well, they just won't take good advice. You've got to work past that when the Spirit of God is moving and maybe husbands and wives. I mean, this is is so in it, in the thick of it. Where you're dealing on issues and you're just like, if I don't change him, nobody's going to change him. If I don't change her, no one's going to change her. And God says, shh. I'm changing him. I'm changing her. And I want you to be quiet. I don't want you listening to that advice. We're working on something totally different. So Paul says, no. And he moves on with his sling. It says, he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream and he put them in his pouch of his shepherd's bag and his sling in his hand and he approached the Philistine, and we get to our fifth thing right here. Storms are the scariest up close. (laughs) We can talk all day about facing our storms. We can talk all day about having that really terrible work environment and going, you know what, I'm going to make a stand. We can talk all day about school. I'm going to... make a stand for Jesus. We can talk all day about, I'm going to go into this ministry. I'm going to do this. I'm going to give up that. But it's like, can I have that stick again? Did it have a splinter? I tried to sand it down. When you're like here and you're looking up, I would not blame David for leaving. Like when, you're, when, you're, when it's time to actually enter the battle, would you really blame him? I mean, sure, he goes back to the army and they're like, ah, I knew you couldn't do it, but they're just like, so anyway, we're back to where we're going. I mean, when it gets down to it, when you walk into the boss's office and say, you know what, I'm not making up those false reports anymore. I mean, that, ugh. When you go to that boyfriend or girlfriend, you know it's not a healthy relationship, and you go, hey, it's a, oh, that's, that's hard. When you, when you get right down to it, when you say with the buddies you've been around forever, you know what, guys, we should stop talking about that. Isn't that hard? Storms are the scariest. Watch what happens with David. 
what happens is that the Philistine comes closer to him and he starts cussing him out by his gods. He wasn't like going, you know, and I swear to you this day. He, he, it says he despised David when he saw he was small and ready, which means he has like the rosy cheeks and he's handsome. He's just like GQ guy, like, you know, little guy, little, little, you know, girly man comes up. And here's Goliath. We saw how tall he was, right? Man, and he looks down and he sees someone my size. I'm a small little man. All of a sudden he sees someone my size. He starts cussing him out. It starts escalating. I mean, this is turning into F5. Watch what David says. He says, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me. I'll strike you down and cut off your head. This is trash talk right now. He's going, I, <laughs> I've ever been involved in sports or you have a brother or sister and you start talking trash. This is where you got it from. Although I've never told someone I was actually going to cut off their head. But um, yeah, you're just like, today I'm, I'm going to give your carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. Even though it's flowery language, back then this was a big deal, okay? Um, And the whole world will know there's a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. David says there's something different about this storm that's just getting through it. He's like, man, this is for God. This is to glorify him. And then he goes into this great thing. Uh, Okay. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line. If we had this on film, it'd be in slow motion, like super slow. And David would be running. He's got his staff and like his like robe would be kind of open. You just see like the six pack and he'd have these stones and like he'd he'd like reach down and like dust would kind of like fall off the bag, you know, and it gets it into this sling. I don't know. I don't know how you do it with a sling. I I would have just wrapped it around my legs and tripped over. But (laughs) if you had practice anyway, and he's just like running at that guy with this sling, just and it says it sunk. Oh, upside down. It says this he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead and the stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. Now, if we were back in ancient Israel, okay, we'd be all in a house right now and the father of this house would be telling this story to the kids and he would have it memorized. And he'd get to the part about David cutting off the head of Goliath. And he wouldn't stop. He'd, he'd say the whole thing. So what happened was, <laughs> David gets Goliath, and Goliath falls, falls like this, with a stone in his head. That is just disgusting. It goes like, oh, isn't that cool? <laughs> David grabs his sword. It says he pulls it out of its sheath, and then he kills Goliath, stabs him, and he cuts off his head. Now, why am I going into this gory part? It's so cool. Because uh, I, 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 
I asked some of the parents if I could tell that part, and they were like, no. And I'm like, oh, bummer. Uh, no. Uh, so after he kills Goliath, he's got his head. It says, Saul said, find out who that guy is. And they called David. And David walks in to talk to Saul, and he's still holding the head. Probably. As if to say, did you say I was too young? Because you, you said I couldn't. Is this, was it, was it, was it Goliath? Oh, it, that was him? Oh, okay. Okay, because I, I could have sworn you. Yeah, no. Anyway, so uh, where would you like me to put this, right? I'll just sit it on your desk. Okay, have a nice day. Right? See, when God does something, there's this sense of like, oh, this sense of like, I got his head. This sense of like, man, I mean, David killed the lion, he killed the bear, he killed Goliath. Now he's just like, you know what he did? He took uh, Goliath's sword and he put it in his tent. If you had walked into my office about three weeks ago, you would have seen in my office all these little knickknacks and stuff that I put in my office to remind me of all the different things God has done here at Living Spring. Now, somebody uh, went in and cleaned my office and, 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 and removed those things um, out of love. And uh, it was actually two people who did this, two people dear to me. Uh, and so they're all gone. And you know what I was most excited about? Starting again. Like just, okay, that next like thing gets put up there. And I'm like, yeah, I remember when we did that. I remember when God moved that. I know that. I know that couple and what God's done in their marriage. He puts it in there. He puts it in his tent. 